Hi, I'm Abby, and I'd like to extend a very warm welcome to these Sepsis Research Feet Words of Sepsis podcasts. Over the course of eight episodes, we'll be talking to sepsis survivors and their families about their experiences of sepsis. Some of the stories you hear may be quite painful. Many are uplifting. They're stories of shock, fear, sometimes loss, often courage, but also of hope. Sepsis is a condition that still takes the lives of some 50,000 people in the UK every year. That's about five lives lost every hour. Our hope is that through these podcasts, many more people will become aware of sepsis and that some of the loss and suffering related to sepsis can be prevented as you increase your knowledge and the knowledge of others. We are so grateful for the support and assistance of everyone who's been involved in these podcasts. So do please listen, share these words of sepsis and help to raise awareness and save lives. She just said, do you understand what's happening? And I said, no. I said, has he got meningitis? And she said, no, he's got sepsis. And I said, sepsis? What's that? And um, she started to, you know, explain he's quite poorly. And I said, do I need to get my husband here? And she said, yeah, now. And from that minute, the room filled up and the whole atmosphere changed. And everything got very scary very, very quickly. All doctors would like come in and then they would tell me that I've got sepsis. And I didn't really know what the hell that was. I mean, I've heard of that word, didn't know what it meant, didn't know what the symptoms were of that. But everyone looked at me really concerned, like really concerned. So that panicked me more. So they waited for everything to fall off, which took over a year of having black toes, the soles of my feet were black, just waiting every day, kind of like nurses coming in, giving them a wee wiggle, seeing if they're going to fall off. It became the the most bizarre Facebook updates, like, yay, half my toes have gone now, woo! (laughs) Something I never thought I'd be celebrating. It was so bizarre. I called my husband and um, I said, this this isn't looking, this isn't looking very good. It's gone from, we're at hospital, but he's he's now got an, a, a tube to help breathe and they kept going into this room with bags and bags of saline and and they were sort of pumping with lots of water and then sporadically a nurse would come out and just say you know it, it's okay and do you want to go to the parent and family room and I just sat outside and thought no I just want to be completely close to him but through this door I remember I actually had that initial photograph that everyone had the day after he was born. You can see how ill I am in that photo, but that was the first time I'd held my baby. Then I felt like this rush of love. I did feel that. I didn't the day before. I felt like this rush of love, like, okay, we've survived something, dude. We're getting on. We're pretty cool. But for that whole, like, day, he was silent. He didn't cry. He didn't move. He didn't do anything. And then I thought, he's not very well. And that's when the severity of what had happened, I suppose, hit me. But it was just so sudden and none of us have heard of sepsis before. And I just think if we knew what it was, I think maybe we would have just drove to the hospital straight away and not waited to see what the ambulance said and waited for mum and things like that. It was just so 
quick and sudden and probably more scary for me than it was going into the emergency section of my wee girl. I was walking somewhere to school and she said, oh, you know, do you think Oliver's going to be okay? And I said, yeah, he's got a cold, babe. They'll they'll look at him and they'll send him home. The school is literally at the top of our road. It's about a minute walk from our front door. And on the way back, Christina called me saying, you need to get here now. They've just rushed him into another room. I don't really remember then getting in the car or anything like that. I just remember going to the reception and saying, where's my son? She said, oh, he's just round on this room here. And as I turned the corner, there he was on this big adult hospital bed with all these tubes and, you know, being monitored and everything like that. And I was just immediately just sat next to him and held his hand. Corey's a very boisterous, full-on cheeky chap. Even now, with him fully recovered, you, you look at him and you think, wow. But that day, the day after Boxing Day, I just, yeah, my heart told me. I had the dread of going into a and thinking I'm going to be here hours. But when I went in and explained his symptoms, I didn't even get to sit down. We were straight in. My story of losing your limbs and surviving it is a very powerful story. And I'm quite happy to tell anybody what happened to me. If you feel that you feel really unwell, and it's a little bit more than a normal when you've got an infection, you need to ring 999. No doubt about it. 999 or get to the hospital urgently. I am lucky that I'm alive. I'm sorry for all the changes and impact, negative impact it's had on my life and will have going forward. But I am one of the lucky ones. There are so many others who lose their lives, lose a member of their family to sepsis when it doesn't need to happen. We really hope that listening to this Words of Sepsis podcast has helped increase your awareness of sepsis. Do check out all eight episodes in the series and share them as widely as you can, using them to start conversations with friends and family about sepsis. It could save a life, possibly even your own. If you've been affected by anything you've heard or you'd like more information about the groundbreaking research into sepsis that the charity funds, please do visit our website www.sepsisresearch.org.uk where you can also make a donation. You'll be helping us to save lives today and fund research for tomorrow.